0: Welcome to the Holy Hive Show, an ongoing observation of Utah's community and culture. I'm Jordan Delacruz here with a freshly vacationed Dan Lawler. Freshly. Dan, how was the vacation?
1: Which one? I was on two vacations. Yeah, you went on two, back to back.
0: (laughs) Uh, So let's start, I guess, so let's start with the first one. How was Disneyland?
1: Disneyland was great. Yeah. Um, You know, nice California weather. It was very, very much, you know, high 70s, low 80s. Nice, nice weather. You no, know, no smoke over there. No smoke over there. That blows all towards us. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but it was great. We got to uh, do pretty much everything we wanted to do uh, in terms of rides and food and all of that. I would have loved to have gone to the beach, but man, when you're it's taking tough. an hour, an hour taxi ride to a hotel and then three days at Disney, it's just like, all right, oh, let's yeah, just yeah, do yeah. what we're doing and then go.
0: Yeah, and so. Being a gigantic Disney fan, not not like the corporation, but Disneyland, and mm-hmm. yes, I guess some of the content that Disney puts out, it's hit or miss, but um, I love Disneyland, and I have my entire life, and since 2011, pretty much consistently, I've gone every year. 2020 was the first year that I didn't go, um, and I'm I'm now getting to the point where when I look down the barrel of a possible Disney trip, I'm like, maybe we do one park a day and not do yeah. like the park hopping thing. Cause it is utterly exhausting.
1: Yeah. I love the park hopping. I yeah. do
0: going back and I, forth.
1: Yeah. I find it. Well, I mean, at least right now how they have it set up is like, you can basically only leave your park at like 1 PM. Like you have yeah. to start at one of the parks every day on the reservation thing. That's right. And then once that, once you go there, you have to be there till one and then you can move over. Um, we were hoping there would be like this max mass exodus, uh-huh. From, from Disneyland uh, into California, mm-hmm. but uh, that didn't seem to be the case. It was pretty, it was pretty crowded yeah, the whole time we were there.
0: That's always been the case ever since they opened California Adventures. I think they were hoping to kind of r- relieve some of the congestion that Disneyland gets, but Disneyland is so much higher in quality than California Adventure. California Adventures had like an identity crisis ever since it opened. Yeah. They like can't figure out what they want to do. And now that they have Marvel, it seems like they're kind of really leaning into... The Marvel and yeah Pixar thing.
1: I will say in terms of my like, if I was to power rank my favorite rides, I think four of my top five would be in
0: California Adventure. Really? So like what?
1: Uh, Soren is okay, probably yeah, my yeah. number one.
0: Soren's the best ride in that park. I love sure.
1: the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. I'm a I, big. Yeah. I'm a thrill. You know, I'm a thrill seeker. You know. Yeah, and
0: see, Guardians of the Galaxy. I really like what they did with it because it got like. Th- I think they opened that in twenty 20- early twenty nineteen or something like that, but. Um, it, it's the shell of an older ride mm-hmm. but all of the technology in it was is like brand new and so it's like really cool the show that gets put on but i just like have a soft spot in my heart for tower of terror i, I love scary you. themed rides yeah and and that that's always been one of my favorite rides so like part of me is like man it, it sucks that they, they they took that down it does it is cool and it's basically the same ride yeah like the thrill of it is essentially the same um so yeah so soren uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Or I'd the put other. I put
1: Incredicoaster up there. I haven't
0: done the Incredicoaster.
1: Oh, I love it. I, I love I love roller coasters. Yeah, that are fast. Yeah, and that one that one delivers super on fast. That. Yeah, um, I think that those would be the top three. So maybe only three. I'm trying to think of another one. I didn't love the new Spider Man ride. That was difficult to get on. We had to do like the
0: queue. I'm so out of the loop with. Oh things yeah, that are going on there. There's a
1: new Spider Man ride. It's kind of like. Uh, One of those interactive ones where you're basically like shooting stuff, kind of like the Buzz Lightyear one in Disneyland Uh, and stuff. Um, But you just like do this basically for viewers. I'm doing the spider. I mean, for listeners, I'm doing the Spider-Man gesture. (laughs) And like a computer, like motion track. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. That's interesting. Huh. My arms were tired as shit after that ride, though. Yeah. Because it was just me and Annie trying to beat each other. Annie kicks ass at all of those games, and it drives me nuts. Yeah. I suck at all <laughs> of <do> them. I do, <laughs> And she's, she also doesn't tell me any rules. Like, she's in here into Buzz Lightyear when, like, shooting specific yeah. targets. And I'm just, like, shooting all the targets, and she's oh, getting, yeah. like— Oh, yeah, precision. Yeah, she's getting, like, 300,000 more points than me.
0: No, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go into Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters or you go into Midway Mania, the Toy Story ride, and you're just shooting any target you see— yeah. That's, that's noob stuff. It's, I'm a noob. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you got to hone in on the, on the high point targets. Um, so it's kind of funny uh, me. I've always, You I mean, ever since you've known me, I've been, I've been a, like a Disneyland person and mm-hmm. kind of writing for that. And I've always been trying to get you to go out to Disneyland. And I'm, I, I don't want to say that you're a cynical person, you, you, <laughs> I'm a cynical but person. like, there's <laughs> like, there, it, there, there always has been kind of a, a little bit of resistance to the Disney, the Disney culture, uh-huh. the Disneyland culture. And, uh, now you're dating someone yeah. who was fully into it and now it seems like you're kind of seeing the light a little bit no i'm
1: still quite resistant to a lot of the stuff okay uh i still roll my eyes at at some of annie like will be very much and i don't want to take away from anybody's happiness but (laughs) she's like check out this animatronic isn't it cool i'm like yeah i guess it's like the dinosaurs fighting on the train ride just like oh get ready for this dan yeah oh
0: Dude, and, and maybe and I'm I'm guessing she probably went at a young age. Yeah. Like she's been probably going, going all her, going life. her life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I, I come from the same thing where I just like at a young age was going. And so there's the nostalgia thing for mm-hmm. me too. And but to that point, the I what I mean, in and the specific animatronics that you're talking about inside the the, the train ride, mm-hmm. they're they're super old. Yeah. Like I think that I'm I'm not sure if that opened with the park in fifty five, but it came pretty soon after. And the, I think the, even after the train got put in, they put in the animatronics. Mm-hmm. So, like, way old. But I also am like, yeah, they're shitty, but I love them. Like, yeah. they're, they, they, it kind of hits something for me. And that's why I think Disneyland is always going to be like way better than California Adventure, or any kind of improvements they make on the park. Because part of it is like, uh, it's just, it's like an amusement park, but it's also like a museum. Yeah. It's a lot There's of like lore, so much it's a lot old of, stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to like, to the point where you can, I mean, they're like above the fire station, there's an apartment that used to be Walt Disney's like personal apartment yeah. that he, that he had there. I'm sure Annie's pointed out all this stuff to you as yeah. you've gone through the park. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I've, I've always, I've always loved that park. Um, I want to know now, I mean, we talked about California adventure. What are your, what are the best things in Disneyland? What are the things that you like there?
1: In terms of rides, or just all around? I would say all
0: around. It's not always about the rides for no, me. No, yeah.
1: Um, I would say that I really like the, uh, I really like um, the the Matterhorn. Okay. I love the the line for the Matterhorn because it's that just that dude speaking in the German accent, and then I just start speaking in a German accent. Mm-hmm. I like, keep your hands. Oh inside. yeah, that's yeah, st- yeah I yeah. love it.
0: Oh, it's ven, so good.
1: When you get on the ride, yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Um. Yeah, I mean all of the food. The food is like
0: Yeah, it's like I would of say Hawaii the food
1: is definitely up there. Like we had this not in Disneyland, but at the Carthay Circle or whatever yeah, we yeah. had this like African chicken that yeah. was just absolutely insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's a f-
1: one complaint. It's too much stroller parking. Like there's like oh, yeah. large swaths of that park are just taken up for like mm-hmm. park your stroller here. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe don't do stroller parking right in front of like the nice lake or pond or whatever that is. Yeah, it kind
0: of ruins the aesthetics. Put it somewhere
1: else. Yeah. I can't take any pictures here.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, those are the complaints that really come in as you get older. Yeah. Especially if you don't have kids or anything. I think not having
1: kids definitely skews it for me. (laughs) Yeah,
0: for sure. Which is like a whole other weird part. I think that's where some of the Disney shame starts to come in is like, when you're like young, even into like your early twenties, when you're kind of like in college and stuff like that, it's like a good place to go hang out and like just mess around with friends. Like we did a overnighter there where yeah. we did like 24 straight hours in Disneyland, which today I would never be able to do. Yeah. We ended up falling asleep on that train. That's Like funny. that was the only place <laughs> that we could like get a nap in because they never kick you off yeah. and you just keep going around. Um, But as you kind of get out of the college thing and you go deeper into adulthood, uh, the, the more trips you take without kids, the weirder you kind of seem for being at Disneyland, you yeah. know, but, um, but there is like an entire culture of adults who just do Disneyland like every year. I mean, and I, I, I would say I'm one of them, but some people take it to like this other level. And I would say, uh, people in Utah, especially take it to a whole nother level to the point where like, uh, Utah has a, I can't remember if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, cause I think we've talked about Disneyland, Maybe once or twice, not this deep, but like uh UEA weekend. Yeah. Which is like fall break. Uh we've had that all throughout school. Um, and uh Disney Disneyland prepares for UEA, like Utah's mm-hmm. UEA weekend, because it's just like hordes of Utah's um come in from uh uh yeah. Coming from Utah to Disneyland. I remember like going to Disneyland UEA weekend and running into my teachers yeah, and like people that I knew there like constantly.
1: That was the only other time I had been before I started dating Annie was when I was in fourth mm. grade. We went during UEA weekends. Yeah. Annie told me that they call it Utahns enter Anaheim. Yeah. Utahns. A,
0: yeah. Utahns escape to Anaheim. Yeah. 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 Um, but there, there is like a reputation for Utahns there. Um, and then you have like people that just like get really nutty with it. Like have you heard of a uh, I think it's called Disney bounding. uh uh-uh. uh It's like where people cosplay at Disneyland. Oh. And usually it's young adults, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they will like create outfits that yeah. mimic character, like Disney characters, so like people go pretty hardcore with it.
1: We were there for the for the Halloween thing, and so mm-hmm. there was a lot of a lot of people dressed up.
0: Oh, did you actually go to the Halloween party? No,
1: we Uh-oh. we let, we had to leave the park. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> when that happened. Yeah. But it's pretty fun.
1: Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, we, we had we had fun. I told her that we can't go again until like 2023 or 2024. Yeah, you're pretty exhausted. Yeah.
0: Well, that's the other thing too is like when you're there, you want to do stuff in LA mm-hmm. and Anaheim is just inland enough that going to any of the coastal stuff is like pretty inconvenient. Yeah. Like it's tough. Absolutely. You actually have to make a whole day out of going to the coast, um, which I mean pe- people consider Orange County or Anaheim to be part of LA, but mm-hmm. it's like, it's pretty far off. Yeah. Um,
1: our cab ride from the airport to, to the hotel was $110 or something. So, I mean, that tells you some of the distance there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't go on vacation. I just stayed home, but something weird did happen to me like a couple days ago. Um, and I don't know how this happened and I'm still trying to process it. I don't, and I don't even know why I'm like really breaking this out on the <laughs> podcast. I just want to bring it out. Cause maybe someone can tell me I tried to take a drink, of water in my sleep last, or like a couple days ago.
1: How interesting. I know.
0: And I don't usually suffer from like sleepwalking Mm -hmm. or any like weird sleep things like that. But I was in bed and it was like three in the morning and I just woke up covered in water with (laughs) water in my mouth and water like all over me holding a glass of water. But I wasn't like sitting up. I was like on my back. (laughs) And I was like, what the hell? And I honestly, I was so out of it that I didn't even think about it. I just like went to the bathroom and got a towel and laid it down on the bed <laughs> and fell asleep again. But I literally grabbed like a glass of water off my nightstand and just poured it on my face. In my sleep. <laughs> just You're just
1: waking yourself up.
0: Yeah. I don't even know what to you do know? with that information. I just brought it up on the podcast. Maybe someone can help me with it.
1: Well, I mean... Do you think? Do you have any other any other types of sleep issues? Like, do you wake up usually in the middle of the night to drink water? Like, was no. it muscle memory
0: or something? Uh, I will say that i've been uh, I've been dialing back the the marijuana the home marijuana use uh-huh. as of late. Uh, I actually, re- renewed my card today, which was a very um, expensive, expensive, <laughs> and kind of like pointless process mm-hmm. in that. You know, you go in there and you, you have to sit down with a quote unquote doctor. Yeah. And then they ask you, How's your pain? And you go, It's whatever. It's it pain. Does, does marijuana help? It does. All right, <laughs> here you go. Um, and so it's like, What is this? What is this charade we're playing yeah. here? Let us be adults. Uh, but I mean, for people who use marijuana, you know that if you uh, use it for an extended amount of time and then get off of it, your dreams become extremely vivid. Yeah. And I've been having like extremely vivid dreams. It doesn't, it hasn't. Turned into like any kind of behavior. I haven't mm-hmm. done anything weird. That was like the first thing. And I don't even know. Like it was completely out of nowhere. I just like woke up pouring water <laughs> on my face. It was so bizarre. And then completely forgot about it, fell asleep. And then the next morning I woke up on the towel and I was like, Oh yeah, that happened last <laughs> night. And then that just haunted me all day. That's so strange. <laughs> I was like, what is that? Yeah. So it was very weird. So while you were having a good time in Disneyland, I was just having weird sleep. Water behavior. issues. Anyway. Uh, well, I'm glad you had a good time. Hopefully, next time you go to Disneyland, I want to go with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, let's count on it. Yeah. So you can have two people just hitting you from yeah. both, both sides with Disney fun facts. You guys will just parrot at
1: each other, too. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: all right. Let's get into some news. So, uh, a uh, you've been hearing about these supply chain issues. For sure. Right? Um, basically, a bunch of ships are in a giant, uh, I mean, it could be comparable to it, like a Disneyland ride line, absolutely like a queue uh they're just backed up on the coast and um, i've literally heard that people that who, who are responsible for unloading those ships they're like if anyone wants to come down here and make money like unloading stuff or if you have stuff that's sitting on a ship come get it like we have no people to like wow. help get this so i and i don't, I don't know the, the all the details of why uh this is happening, uh, but starting to affect Utah in pretty unique way. So uh, this comes from an article from the Salt Lake Tribune written by Will Neville Rabin. Um, as, as the COVID-19 pandemic continues to cause supply chain issues around the globe, DABC Deputy Director Cade Meyer warned that logistics and staffing issues could affect availability just as demand peaks over the holidays. Meyer reported that the DABC is facing shipping and staffing issues as well as glass sor- shortages, can shortages and now even cardboard shortages. He said the DABC is proactively seeking uh, solutions to those problems in order to meet increased demand during the 2021 holiday season. His advice for consumers who don't want to worry about long lines uh, whether, or whether your favorite wine or bourbon is in stock for the holidays, obviously it's a great time to prepare. So basically they're saying if you foresee needing alcohol during the holidays, buy it now. Yeah. Um, which I mean, to a lot of people, I mean, I know that Utah doesn't have the the highest rate of drinking in mm-hmm. here, but to a lot of people, going approaching the holidays without alcohol sounds scary. Yeah,
1: absolutely, it does. <laughs> and I do think that even without supply chain issues in the past, Utah's I mean, Utah has had a problem with yeah. stock in the holiday season. Yeah. Um. I remember like some local politician. I don't remember who it was, but some local politician like was posting photos from like all the champagne aisles at. At yeah, the, at various liquor stores and being like, this is an embarrassment.
0: <laughs> it does. It creates the DABC creates such a weird culture around alcohol because I like. I mean, I'm I like wine, and I'm getting been getting into the, like. Now I'm, I'm, I just started thinking about that. I think you should leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can buy the best kinds of wine now. <laughs> um, but I like I like wine, and I always just completely rely on the like little rating cards where it's like this wine is really good, yeah, and it's a good deal, and I kind of find my balance there. But so often, like the best wines always get like bought out really fast. So there's like people around here that just like snipe wine. They mm-hmm. just go around to de- the, the the different liquor stores and and, and snipe all the good wine. Um, but uh, and I and I'm like, is this a problem in other states? Like this is the only place that I've lived, so I'm not sure if if people have a harder time accessing good wine in other states. But um, so as a solution to this, uh, yeah, you can either stock up now or this is my other favorite thing to do, which is go out of state and buy your liquor. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Costco for liquor. Sure. (laughs) Because we can't buy liquor at Costco here, which like really, I don't think people understand like how big of a hit that is for Utahns Mm -hmm. because... And I'm not, I I didn't uh, vet this information, but I've heard that vodka, like the Kirkland vodka at Costco actually comes from the same sources as like Grey Goose. Mm. So you're pretty much getting the same quality. It's just like a reskin. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you're getting like a handle of it for probably like $15 cheaper. Um, And also that's, it's a huge pain because I actually did this math the other day. The nearest Costco that you can get liquor at is in Vegas. Okay. It seems like there would be one closer. You would think, yeah. Yeah, but there's not. And I think, so the, there's Costco, out-of-state Costco's closest, close, the, the closest one I think is in Pocatello, but you, Idaho has the same things, mm-hmm. where it's like they, they don't allow liquors to be, or liquor to be sold in Costco's and stuff like that. Uh, however, I did find in kind of researching all this, that quietly in May of last year, they changed the laws in Utah, so you can actually now go out-of-state and buy liquor and bring it back. There you go. Uh, and so I looked it up so I could just be precise about this. Uh, so buckle up. This comes from the, the Utah code title 32 B chapter four, part four, section 14. Um, a person who enters the state may possess for personal consumption up to two liters of liquor, uh, purchased from without the state. Um, as long as it's not for resale or, um, not even gifting, like you're not allowed to give it to someone else. It has to be for personal (laughs) consumption. I don't know how they enforce that. Um, so two liters uh, – there's, there's a part in there that says nine liters of liquor, but I think that's if, like, you're moving to Just Utah. relocating? Yeah, relocating. <laughs> so you have to, like, relocate. Uh, I wonder if there's a weird way to pull that off if with just, like, a small trip. Uh, so, yeah, two liters of liquor, which is essentially like a handle of something, or uh, 24 cans of heavy beer. So, yeah, take your money out of the state, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> so I guess this, so. this is what
1: happens. Typically, I, I don't really like to go out of – I mean, like – the trip has never been worth it for me. I think one time I was yeah. just really bored on a Saturday and I was like, I'm going to go up to Evanston and buy yeah. a beer. And then I just went and bought beer and then I went to the McDonald's and just felt sad for some reason. I was just like, why did <laughs> I do this? Yeah.
0: <laughs> if you want to be sad quick, go to an Evanston or a, yeah, an Evanston McDonald's and just yeah. sit there for a little bit.
1: Just watch the news as you eat your eat your quarter pounder with shredded lettuce.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing about that trip between Salt Lake and Evanston It's just a lot of time for thinking Yeah, a lot of time for <laughs> introspection. Uh, this is completely unrelated to this, but Oh, somewhat related to this. I saw an onion headline that I wanted to just read uh, in relation to the supply chain issues. Uh, so there's an onion headline that said white house warns supply chain shortages could lead Americans to discover the true meaning of Christmas, <laughs> which is an Sadness. interesting thing in and of <laughs> itself. Like what's black Friday going to be like? This oh year? yeah. True. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, okay, so uh, this is a, a pretty thorough article about yeah. uh, Fuller Street.
1: Fuller, it's a and full. It's a, you're you're going to be tough to find a Fuller article. <laughs>
0: This is where we need sound effects. We, this is we, we we needed like a rim shot right there. Uh, so this comes from an article from the Salt Lake Tribune written by Dan Harry, uh, very in-depth in depth investigative report into uh, a street in Salt Lake City. It's kind of up by the U.
1: Yeah, it's right across the street, basically from that little Caesars on yeah on Eleventh uh, East.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, it's just this. It's one of these, and and there's a lot of streets like this in Salt Lake where it's it's kind of like a dead end street that mm-hmm. comes off of a main road and it almost seems like an alley. These streets are everywhere in like sugar house. Yeah. Um, but this specific street uh, is torn to shit. Pretty it's much way torn to <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, so in the, so- the, uh, the uh, Salt Lake Tribune article, it says uh, a Salt Lake city street where the minefield of potholes is so bad. Your car shows that scars so bad that the city garbage trucks refuse to drive down it so bad that when there's a snowstorm coming, you have to figure out somewhere else to park. That is Fuller Avenue, uh, one of our uh, one of the residents, a friend of ours,
1: friend of the pod, friend of the pod. First time we've ever been able to say like friend yeah, of the pod of about the pod. <laughs> someone in the news. Yeah, Sam Helgren.
0: <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so basically, uh, streets torn to shit. It's making living pretty bad, and uh, it's nobody's problem, essentially. Uh, So from the article, uh, Salt Lake City Mayor Erin Mendenhall's office says that she has visited Fuller Avenue and feels for residents and property owners, uh, but her hands are tied. According to county records, Fuller Avenue has been a private street for its entire existence and is recorded as such on the warranty deeds of the street's parcels. Mendenhall spokeswoman Lindsay Nicola said in the statement, Until residents produce a record of the street being public or seek a court's decision. The city policy stated in city code is not to proactively bring private streets into public ownership without a compelling public interest. I'm not sure what that means. This seems like a pretty compelling public uh, interest. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, without going like too deep into this, because uh, by about the third page of the article, they're like pulling up old documents and like, uh, the, the, history behind yeah. people trying to actually solve this problem, which is for some residents on that street been going on for about 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I, the, there, there's, a couple pictures on the article, but it really doesn't illustrate how shitty no. <laughs> the street is. I went on to like, I was actually surprised because I did the uh, Google maps, uh, street view where you dropped the little guy on. And I su- I was surprised to see that you had an option Oh, wow. There, So I wonder if like... Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was the last road that car visited. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Google Maps had to like stop their operation right there. Um, yeah, it's extremely bad. And uh, uh, but essentially what the city is saying that it's entirely the responsibility of the residents and property owners to upkeep that street. Um, and uh, I guess there's other streets in Salt Lake City that have similar issues. Um, Fuller Avenue residents estimate it would rec- uh, cost several thousand dollars per household. Too steep for many. Um, uh, what's her name? Council member. I just had her name. Uh, Anna Val- Valde- Valdemoros. Butchering that name probably. Uh, Council member Anna Valdemoros says every time we add streets back into the city's ownership, there's a budget component to it. And because budget limits, uh, we might not be able to provide the level of maintenance uh, <laughs> and improvements desired. So essentially, essentially what she's saying is like, if we could solve this problem, we probably wouldn't have the money to anyways.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it would cost so much money.
0: Yeah. If a city
1: can't handle the expenditure of a problem, then I would assume the citizens that live on that street wouldn't be able to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: Print less uh, of the new Salt Lake flag and just put that money towards fixing potholes. Yeah, like
0: there's probably a million things we could probably cut out of the budget (laughs) to fix this one street. Like how much is asphalt? Yeah. (laughs) Um, You don't even have to like repave the whole thing. Let's just fill in potholes and start there so they can get their garbage picked up. Um, So yeah, as far as the city workers go, it kind of seems like they're leaning into their outs pretty heavily. And I'm not like here to like rake the city officials over the coals, but- just based on the way that the article was written. It seems like they're just like, eh, mm-hmm. not our problem. I go. know that
1: like a pandemic and potholes and all of these things are not on equal footing, but like one could say that Erin Mendenhall's hands were tied ab- about like masks in schools and she found some workarounds for that. And she's basically <clears throat> telling... The state that they can't build any more homeless shelters in salt lake yeah and so i mean like it seems like she could probably piss some people off and just do it just do whatever needs to be done it just I doesn't know. seem like it's because one of the article states that that if a street has been a public thoroughfare for a, a specific period of time then it can be considered a public street and that street absolutely would qualify. Yeah. This has been an issue for 10 years now.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's the problem is, like, they, they actually can't identify the owner, like, who owns the street. Like, nobody on the street. And, and, and they say that, like, uh, they actually spoke to the guy that owns Sam's building, like, the mm-hmm. property owner. And he says, like, the property owns it. stops at the fence line. Like, we don't own the street. Like we don't like we have no idea who owns it or like how we can solve this problem. So it's like literally something that's come to a dead end. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just as like a OK. And I mean, I'm not putting the responsibility on this residence, but like to play devil's advocate here. I mean, could the residents do something?
1: I think so. I think that they could probably fill in the potholes. I mean, you could buy yeah. a bag of cement, but like it's going to be ugly as hell. So yeah. It's just gonna be like cement probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. That was a I, I noticed the Tribune posted um about this article on their Instagram and just like people these days, man. But like I click into the comments and one person was like, Uh, roll up your sleeves and, and fill in the polls. not that tough. Yeah. It's, it's like, all right, bud. Yeah, why don't you do? <laughs> You're it? missing the point. <laughs> yeah. The no. point is that these are tax paying citizens who are yeah. missing out on some of the benefits of their tax paying dollars.
0: Yeah. And obviously this is like a, um, very specific and weird circumstance. Uh, but this is kind of like issues like these, where there's like a diffusion of responsibility because it seems like if, if like the people who are in charge of the city, they say their hands are tied and the like residents are like, we like, we're like, we're going to have to pay for this. Mm -hmm. Um, that there there would there, there would be able they would be able to just like come to some kind of agreement. Yeah, it might be unprecedented. These types of things probably call for unprecedented solutions. Yeah, but also it's probably something that's not going to be like, oh, we got to take it to the Supreme Court to fix this. You know, like it's not that big of a deal. Like let's just figure out a solution. But uh, having said that, like this type of diffusion of responsibility, I feel like is going to start becoming a little a lot more common as like rental properties become more saturated mm-hmm. in Salt Lake City cause you might have an entire street that's all rental properties. And, um, the problem with that is, is like when the people that own the property on that street do not live on that street, then they don't really keep up on the conditions as deeply as the people that are living there every day. And so, um, things like that could keep, and, and obviously like, I, maybe this is part of my just bias of like how shitty the housing market is right now and my dread for it. But, um, uh yeah it just seems like as as more and more people just buy homes and like gobble up property to uh use as rentals, then this disconnected and um diffusion of responsibility is just gonna widen
1: absolutely um I've been trying yeah. to get my hallway outside my apartment cleaned for about a month and a half now really' I can't
0: even do that dang so yeah it is yeah it is a problem we just our our uh apartments uh were locally owned mm hmm um by, by a company that was here. And they just sold that whole property off to like a huge corporate property management firm. And the first thing they did was take out all of the recycling. Oh no. And so now we have zero on on-site recycling, which I thought was not, was like illegal, but yeah. apparently it's not where we live. So we asked them. we were like, Hey, we got a lot of cardboard boxes just kind of piling up. You you know, bring it back to recycling, and they're like, No, we're not going to. Sorry, we we don't have to, so we're not going to. And that's kind of what happens when like bigger companies take Mm -hmm. over. They're just kind of running things by spreadsheet, and yeah, it sucks. And now we have to like haul recycling places. Yeah. Do we do it all the time? Mm, Maybe not. Sometimes we just throw it away if it's just like a box of empty box of LaCroix, you know? But, uh, and, and then not only that, but like we have onsite laundry machines that have just been broken forever (laughs) and to the, and, and not only that, but there's like a coin shortage going on Mm -hmm. and, uh, there's like a machine that eats your coins. And so you're like, now I'm like down one load just because of this. Yeah. It's just a huge problem. Uh, and yeah, again, those, those are symptoms of like people not being able to own the property Mm -hmm. that they're living on. Um, so I don't know. Uh, what, what else could we fill? Potholes with. I was thinking like, could we fill them with like three printed casts? <laughs> <Can> <laughs> we 3D? Cat litter. Yeah, cat litter. <laughs> Maybe just fill them with dirt. I don't know.
1: Mm, I don't yeah, I'm not sure either. I mean <laughs> I just think anything you shove in there is gonna just make the hole kind of bigger.
0: Yeah. But I don't yeah. know. Um well uh one thing that uh the city does have money for is to tear down uh <laughs> places <laughs> where we made memories as children. Uh, and what I'm talking about is Raging Waters. Did you ever go to Raging Waters? I
1: fucking loved Raging Waters. Yeah. We used to go there every year. We just I mean, when when you live in Roy, and you and I've talked about this before, but mm-hmm. like as a child, any drive seems eternal. Like like an eternity, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. driving to Salt Lake to go to Raging Waters, which now that I live in Salt Lake and I know where it was or is mm-hmm. um it's not like far from Roy. Like I, yeah, I could drive from Raging Waters to Roy and be like, "All right, cool." Yeah, that was an easy drive. But like as a kid, it was like that's a trek. Yeah. So once a year, we would we would always go, and uh, we stopped when they sold it to Seven Peaks because we were Sunday people. We liked to go on Sunday when it wasn't crowded, and yeah. Seven Peaks wasn't open on Sundays.
0: Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it was just like a changing of ownership. But mm-hmm. Yeah, probably got a little a little more vanilla. But I loved that place. Uh, so yeah, the iconic Raging Waters water park in Salt Lake City's Glendale neighborhood is being destroyed after years of sitting abandoned. Um, in the early 1980s, the iconic water playground boasted one of only three wave pools in the world. Uh, we want this land. This is a quote from uh, Aaron Mendenhall, who is popping up in the news quite often these days. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we want this land to become a valued community asset once again. Uh, the water park is an important part of the city's history and its future. We are looking forward to learning from the Glendale community and other Salt Lake residents about what this site means to them and how it could be transformed. The city is currently taking public input on what to do with the land, and a master plan is expected next spring. Anytime someone says, like in the news, that they're like, uh, we're going to take community input on something, yeah. I'm like, they're not going to listen to it. They're not going to listen to shit. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be condos. It's going to be
1: condos and a strip mall.
0: Yeah, uh, so yeah, I, yeah. Raging Waters was dope. I, I remember going there as a kid. Um, it was like the the ultimate water park, even like over something like Laguna Beach. Mm-hmm. It was like Raging Waters is the shit. Um, but I, I wonder if like water parks still hit the same these days. Obviously, we're adults, but like... Yeah,
1: I think that like... I think that it would for me if I was, yeah. if I, if it was a hot day and I was there, I think that I would, I would enjoy get into myself. It. Yeah. The problem is that so many of our hot days now are, you know, have the the whole smoke aspect on top of them. Yeah. Which I don't really want to be in.
0: Yeah. That's the, that's the big problem. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's what I'm focusing on specifically is just like being outside in summer sucks now, unless mm-hmm. you're like going into the mountains because you're just like under a cloud of smoke. Um, and Yeah. I think the other thing that I, I feel like I'm less attracted to, like the thrill seeking of like a water park, I'm I'm kind of more of like a lazy river guy now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I can see that. If I'm going to Laguna Beach, I'm probably going to spend most of my time like just like sitting on a tube and floating around. Um, I'm still the thrill yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. They had those
1: ones with like the plastic boards where you'd go up and then like it would just lower you onto it and you'd shoot down it. Oh yeah, I remember that. And Man, I loved that one. Yeah, they have one that of those—the one, uh, ones where you like had to go face first on the little plastic thing and yeah, it up and over. I love that shit.
0: I never was able to make it over that thing because I like,
1: made it over once, I think.
0: Yeah, and they would always like try to tell you how to do it. Mm-hmm. I think it had something to do with how you like raised your legs at certain points in the slide. But I just, it was like when I was a little kid. So I don't know if I just had the body weight yeah. to like make it. But they also like, they have these like stairs that went, like, if you didn't make it, you just go down to the center and then you had to walk down these stairs. Mm-hmm. And it was like such a shameful walk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't make it over it. And I did it like five times and I just could not do it. Um, it's very frustrating. Maybe that's, maybe that's where my, uh, my gripe with water parks started. Yeah. I was like, these are clearly not for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, dumb uh conceptual ideas to fix water parks what if we turn ski resorts into water parks during there the you off go. season just, that's a great idea yeah just take like a ski route and cover it in tarp and make like a huge slip and slide all the way down mm-hmm. that would be dope
1: yeah i'm into know? that
0: um and then you get out of the smoke you're very true Get to elevation get out of the smoke uh i don't know probably be, be a huge waste of water though i guess <laughs> i guess water parks <laughs> probably recycle their water a true. little bit better yeah um, I mean,
1: water parks are also probably a bit of a waste of water if we're being honest. But
0: yeah, yeah, that's the other thing too. Is like, where we are, like, <laughs> water parks really that great of an idea? True. Um, I don't know. I do go golfing, and I feel you know guilty sometimes. True. <laughs> like, uh, I, I take part in that. Uh, so yeah, I wonder what Raging Waters is going to be in the coming years. Probably just condos.
1: It's a, it's going to be like condos or a park or something. You know, like it's not going to be. Would love a park. Yeah, a park would be cool, but. I can't I can't imagine it's gonna be anything like sweet. Like maybe build an amphitheater out there. Maybe we get another amphitheater cool. built or something.
0: Yeah. I guess it's close enough. Well, no, it's a little probably a little farther west. It's like can it connect to an already thriving district where there's like restaurants and stuff like that? Mm. I was kind of thinking of like the granary district, but it's like not that not close enough yeah. to it. Um I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um let's talk jazz. Let's talk it. Um For people who aren't, like, extremely into sports, we're not going to, like, go too deep on box scores here. Uh, We have a different kind of conversation, different approach to our conversation about the Jazz today. But as we record this podcast, uh, Utah Jazz will be facing off against the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight in their season opener. So the NBA is back. Last year, they made it as far as the uh, Western semifinals and ended up being knocked out by the L.A. Clippers. Dan, any predictions for the season? How do you feel about the Jazz?
1: I think the Jazz are going to be good this season. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that they'll probably be one of the top teams again. Like last year, I think they finished first in yeah. in, in the NBA. They had the best record in the yeah. NBA, and I think that that is absolutely within reach again. Yeah. Uh, I think the national narrative um, is kind of that the Jazz are built for the regular season and not built for the postseason. Just yeah. In, I've always questioned that in terms of – um like
0: what does that even mean yeah what does that even mean <laughs> I
1: think that I think that specifically they're built in a like the Rudy Gobert might be you know too exposed on the floor sort of situation but yeah. I don't know yeah he's a good player so I don't know how, how how true that is but um I think I don't know where his odds would be but I think that Donovan Mitchell could have a genuine case for MVP if he if he continues his upward trajectory,
0: like he has, he ha- he he has the the talent to get there this year.
1: If he plays like he does in the playoffs every year, he could yeah. be he could be the MVP. Now it is such a narrative driven award that like yeah, you're gonna have to get past a lot of that sort of like basically big market teams are gonna get have the upper hand, you know, yeah. with that sort of thing. But I think it's totally possible.
0: It's funny that you said that because I think Ryan Smith recently, while they were doing all that stuff at the Silicon Slopes, was talking about how he's like, everyone calls us a small market team. It's like, we don't do things small market here. We're not small market. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, and just the ownership and everything that's been going on there has been exciting.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, And that's kind of where this conversation is going. So I don't keep up on basketball enough to give really an accurate prediction. I am excited. I'm going to try to keep up more Mm -hmm. this year. Especially since, like, I'm I'm good to go as far as attending. Sure. <laughs> which, that's a whole other thing. Sure. <laughs> uh, people are going to have a problem attending if they're not vaccinated. Yeah. Um, that's still going, right? I haven't, like, kept up on that. As far
1: as I know. Yeah. I don't think that they would back down from that, honestly. No, the I don't think so either. Group, the ownership group seems pretty, like, I don't know. They seem adamant. to be yeah. pretty adamant about that, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, obviously, when that news came out, there was just, like, a superficial exodus Mm -hmm. from the loudest people on Twitter saying, Oh, well not lost a fan today. Lost a fan today. It's like, (laughs) really? That's why. Um, Yeah, but, uh, so one thing that I do have plenty of opinions on, uh, something that I'm more familiar with the branding of the jazz. Uh, so ever since the jazz came to Salt Lake, which they didn't, they weren't created here. They Mm -hmm. aren't, they didn't come from Utah. Um, they came from uh, New Orleans back in uh, 1979. The team moved from New Orleans, Louisiana to Salt Lake City. And even just like from the moment they got here, the jazz branding has had like an identity crisis. Yeah, We have not had – it was funny because as I was doing the research for this and I was looking through all like the past uniforms and stuff, it really has changed so much. A ton. Yeah, not even like – some some brands like the Lakers or like the Celtics – they change and they modernize, mm-hmm. but for the most part, you can see the mm-hmm. the the trajectory.
1: Yeah, pretty much since the Lakers have been in L. A. Aside from like their city edition or like their one-off like yeah, alternate circumstance, yeah, like they've been pretty consistent
0: with their yeah uniforms, mm-hmm. colors, everything like that. So huge identity crisis for the Jazz, um, and yeah, ever since they came to Salt Like, they've gone through a number of branding, logo, color changes. Uh, some A lot of them have been pretty uninspired and mm-hmm. some of them have been just like straight up baffling. Um, and I don't know if it's necessarily because it, uh, of like the team being run by the Miller family, which I mean, nothing against the Miller family or anything, but there is something about the uh, big corporations, the local corporations here in Utah where they're like kind of out of touch with the wider culture. Totally. And I mean, I would say that like, if, if, if you had like uh, a list of local, and this could be from any state, a list of local brands that had crappy branding, Utah companies would be like mm-hmm. littering that list, you know, there's just something like Utah just can't lock in that type of stuff. Um, And so I don't know if it has to do with, you know, the Miller family or anything, but now that it's under new ownership, it's been like talked about a lot. They've talked about uh, updating the brand. Um, obviously, the owner coming from the tech industry, he knows a lot about the user experience, yeah, and that's a, probably a, a big uh, uh, focal point for the new ownership. I and, mean, you know, Dwayne Wade coming from the NBA, he knows all about that. Um, and so it's been a, a a conversation point over the past few months, and especially since they changed the uh, the look of the stadium, which isn't, like, that dramatic, really. Vivent, the word Vivent used to be orange, and now it's just black. Mm-hmm and uh, their practice facilities, they painted them all black, and so a lot of people were wondering, are they just going to do black uniforms? Uh, it doesn't seem to be the case. It seems like they're pretty much sticking with what they've had from last year. They're kind of just rolling that over. Uh, but people, uh, many wonder if there is going to be a complete rebrand on the horizon. So what I want to look at first is, what are three things that we could possibly do to improve the jazz brand?
1: Well, I think locking down just kind of what you want your colors to be and then sticking with them. Yeah. And obviously that's going to take, like, st- sticking with something isn't something, yeah. that's not an immediate improvement because that requires time. Yeah. But, like, you mentioned the Lakers, like, the Lakers, the Bulls, the Celtics, like, these are these, like, the iconic – kind of nba brands yeah and it's because like the bulls have been red and black and white Mm -hmm. you know the celtics have been green and white the lakers have been yellow and purple and they've like stuck to these things yeah obviously they have like iconic historical moments in these uniforms whether it's michael jordan you know larry bird or whatever yeah lakers you can go down the list but i think that that is the first step is just locking in What it is that you want to be, and then sticking with it. Don't like the
0: visual identity. Yeah, we
1: quit tinkering because, like, I know that you and I have we're talking about. There's an image out there that shows the Jazz's color scheme. Yeah, and there are like 25 colors in it. Yeah, and none of them necessarily complement or have anything to do with one another. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and that is that is a problem.
0: Yeah, and it's funny they've taken like stabs at trying to give. the 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 team of visual identity that's kind of in line with utah but it's never just like locked in and worked Mm -hmm. and then like a couple years later they change it like it is surprising like pretty much every like six to eight years it completely changes yeah
1: and it's completely changed
0: yeah like a complete 180 from what it was before
1: most teams evolve you know what i mean but they're Mm -hmm. like doing the exact opposite of what they were doing before they went from that like purple and white late nineties to like Mm -hmm. the powder blue of the two thousands, which is, I mean, I think we're going to talk about our (laughs) favorites and least favorites later, but yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, I agree. Uh, the, the visual identity, that's the first thing that they have to really lock in. Um, Consistency with the colors with the iconography that they're using, I mean that's another thing is like sometimes they use the jazz notes, sometimes they try to like push away from that mm-hmm. there's just nothing that's like consistent like their logos or whatever I mean like the logo used to be the word jazz, and there was like mountains behind it, yeah, they've done different things with that then they've gone back to the note um. And the fact that our, our, our mascot is a bear, mm-hmm. it's just like, I don't, I mean, you know, <laughs> jazz bears become kind of iconic. I think he's be, become I- iconic, uh, more due to like, uh, like car commercials, sure. or like, you know, local car dealership ads <laughs> rather than like, uh, you know, his, his connection to what Utah <laughs> is as far as like branding goes. But, um. I, I wonder, and maybe this—I don't know if this is something that is like sacrilege because I'm not a, the biggest jazz fan. I really like the jazz. Like if, as far as the NBA goes, I'm going to support the yeah. jazz. Could we change the name?
1: That's my number three, okay. and I have hot take written down. So maybe okay. it's not that hot of a take. I'm, if you're out here too, I'm ready to change hear this. it. Change it. Change the yeah, name. Let's do it. Give the name to New Orleans. Yeah, this give has it back. been this has been my thing for years now. If you give the name Jazz back to New Orleans, where mm. they. Write and perform jazz music. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Have deep, rich jazz history. We <laughs> should,
1: we as Utah, the jazz should adopt, should steal the Raptors name from Toronto because yeah. the Utah Raptor is uh-huh. a very real thing. And then Toronto, just figure your own thing out. Yeah, let Drake they, do that. Yeah. He's probably great Me, at branding. Yeah. yeah, He is their, yeah, Drake <laughs> is their ambassador, but like just like loves to go to Lakers games too. That dude's Me. the biggest bandwagoner <laughs>
0: in the Wow. Oh, the Holy Hive show where we call out world famous rappers. <laughs> yeah.
1: But no, yeah, I think I'm glad that you said it because someone had to give the name back. Yeah, and, and I know most of the people that I've talked to about this who are big jazz fans, because I'm not, I'm like, yeah. you not a huge jazz fan. Um, They're, they're very much against that. They want to keep the name.
0: Yeah. And maybe it's just like a, it's like a, um, it's like a, like a bad ex-girlfriend. Yeah. You know, You're just like, it feels comforting to be around them. And you don't want to take it away, even though it's probably for the best. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I agree. And it's one of those things that, uh, I mean, it's it's interesting in sports because it's like people who are diehard jazz fans, especially if you're in an era where the team is really exciting, if you take away the name, they're not going to just like leave. Like I would Mm -hmm. say that this whole thing with the vaccinations probably would do more damage than a name change. I think so too. And we've already tested that. Team's going to be fine. Everyone's fine. Let's pull the name back. And I, I actually would love to, like, talk to uh, New Orleans uh, Pelicans. Is it Pelicans? Right? Yeah. Pelicans fans. And say, if we offered you the jazz name back, would you like that more than Pelicans?
1: I mean, they'd have to. Pelicans is, right? like, the weirdest yeah, name it's for so them. weird. <laughs> The Pelicans, I love yeah. it.
0: It's 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 pretty much on par with us being called the Seagulls. Yeah, you know, which would be awful.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. The Cal, the Utah California Seagulls. Well,
0: and, and but that's <laughs> the that's the thing. I mean, if we're talking about a name change, what would be a good name for the Utah Jazz if we changed it?
1: Well, I just think Raptors. that's yeah, my Raptors. that's my that's my uh, m- yeah. my one. I'm sticking to it.
0: Yeah, that's probably the coolest thing that we can identify with here, and and I mean that we have a Utah Raptor. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think... And here's the other thing. If we're going to change the name and we need to, like, uh, do a little bit of research and and really study and build a brand, do it with, like, a professional private branding firm. Mm -hmm. Do not open it up to the community. No. no. Because for some reason, Utah (laughs) likes to do that. They do. And it always ends up horrible. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It really does. The only other thing I've written down for how we can make it better is to focus on Utah and not the Jazz. So this was number two. So it was before telling them to just get rid of the name. Um, because my favorite, well, again, I'm about to step on the next segment. No. Well, so I guess we can just go into that next part and I can tell you my favorite ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the best, and this is not a hot take. The best jazz uniforms are those mountain ones from the late nineties. In my opinion, the purple, uh, is great. I specifically like the white home Jersey that they had where it's just a white and it's got the mountains on it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that always, you know, that worked for me. And then the other ones that I really love are their, dark edition last year's city uniform where they have like the gradient of the the red rock gradient yeah so those i don't know if those are my favorite because they're more utah inspired yeah but they're my favorite and they're utah inspired so i
0: yeah i'll go ahead and use it so i love the the uh the the late 90s uh branding that you're you're talking about for that reason because it does feel like utah and Um, it is very nineties, which is an aesthetic that I actually like. Like Mm -hmm. it can be kind of cheesy sometimes, but like I like a lot of the nineties uniforms. Yeah. Like the Orlando Magic uh uniforms from the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Um I really like I loved the Seattle Supersonics Mm -hmm. branding um when they were a team.
1: The Raptors from the nineties were good. The Grizzlies Grizzlies, from the nineties were dope. And they're
0: they're all coming back as uh,
1: these alternates for these teams. And they're all the best uniforms that mm-hmm. those teams have. Yeah. So, and
0: I would say that like uh, the only so I I, I actually I, I kind of zagged with my pick of like the best jazz uniform uh, because um, I still feel like even though those were like the, it was like the best design for Utah there because it's the jazz it's there's still that like disconnect mm-hmm. you know and that's the, ultimately the problem here um, and so that's why I picked the uh, early '80s green and yellow. Those are sweet Utah too. Jazz. You got the note and mm-hmm. that's probably earlier in the transition. Like, I'm not sure what the branding looked like when it was in new Orleans, but it was probably something closer to that. Yeah. Um, the green and yellow, I think looked clean. Like it was just the jazz note, the number, the green and yellow, and it felt more consistent, even though it had a complete disconnect from Utah. Yeah. In every way. Um, and so that's why I picked that one, but I would it was definitely between that and the late 90s ones, which mm-hmm. I still love. I have a Donovan, the Donovan Mitchell alternate f- yeah. from that. I, lo- I love that design. Um, great numbers. Great, The yeah. numbers
1: are good on it. Like, uh-huh. the design is good. The colors are good. Because, yeah. and I get what you're saying about colors, the connectivity between colors and name or colors and place. Yeah. And I personally don't think it matters that much. Yeah. The Chicago Bears, my beloved Chicago Bears, are blue and orange. Yeah. I don't know what that has to do with Chicago <clears throat> or Bears. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the Lakers, what does purple and yellow have to do with lakes? Sure. Or Los Angeles. I don't yeah. know if it has something to do with Los Angeles, but...
0: You gotta of lock in something that looks
1: good. Yeah. Just pick your shit and stick to it, please. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, I think we're both kind of going in the same direction here with the worst jerseys. Yeah, 2004 2010. Yeah, those are terrible. The powder blue. Yep. Oh my god! I, when I was I, when I actually went back and lined up all the jerseys and looked at them, I saw those and I was like, oh, that's obviously it. It's very bad. <sighs> like I
1: I specifically remember NBA 2K19. I was playing it, and you have all your jerseys there. My player, yeah. my creative player, got drafted by the Jazz, and I was like, oh, cool. Let's just stick here, and like. I would go through all the jerseys and man every time I looked at those it was just like this is so rough. I yeah. think that era is pretty rough yeah. for a lot of things which is yeah. funny because that, that was era was like the boozer era is very much in like in vogue right now fashion wise like the 2005 uh-huh. around then which I don't understand yeah. but <laughs> that's just my age I guess. Yeah. But yeah, those are those are very bad the boozer Ugh. Andre Karolinko, Darren yeah. Williams jerseys are devoid just, of any life. Mm-hmm. It,
0: like I saw it and I was like this looks like the branding for like a prescription drug. Yeah. Like it's so bad. Um and they kept them for 6 years. Um and the ones before that were that it wasn't the was it the the purple I blue? think so. I'm trying to remember if there was one in between those ones, but it literally like we get like two versions a decade Mm of like new jazz branding. They seriously have to figure something out and lock it in. Um, anyway, we'll see what happens. I really hope I I'm, I'm like bring me violence and chaos when it comes to their brand, tear it down, yeah, rip it apart and let's rebuild, get Dwayne Wade's input. He probably knows some great branding firms out in Mm -hmm. LA, bring them in. Let's figure it out. All right. Uh, Something that we can speak to a little bit better, uh, and this is going to be our last little piece that we're going to cover for today. But uh, the Broadway theater downtown is finally, finally reopening. Yeah. After uh, I held it up on their website, after five hundred and eighty-nine days. Wow. So the Broadway theater has been closed for five hundred and eighty-nine days. Do you remember the last movie you saw there?
1: Yes, it was.
0: Um, Hope oh, it's the same as mine. Portrait of a Lady on yeah! Fire. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude.
1: That was fun. It, oh yeah,
0: such a good movie. And it was like a great, like I had a great night when I last time I was there like we made it kind of a date night out. Of mm-hmm. Went to uh Cucina in Salt Lake for dinner afterwards and uh it was just an all around great night. But um yeah, Portrait of the Lady on Fire which now has like come and gone and now has like a Criterion release and everything yeah. like it's starting to become an old movie. Um so yeah, 589 days since they were last open. Uh and they're opening this is is it this weekend? This Friday. This Friday um as far as their um their lineup let me see i had it pull up here it's kind of you know they're probably not going to come they're not going to hit hard with their mm-hmm. releases they're just kind of getting their legs out from under them but they are showing dune yeah which is interesting also probably not where i'm going to go see dune <laughs>
1: no i'm going to go to an imax screen. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> sorry yeah. salt lake film society yeah, that's the,
0: really the only thing they can't compete with is like the imax mm-hmm. movies At anywhere else i'm down to go to like broadway uh, they are showing uh jodorowski's
1: dune've I've always wanted to see this movie so I'm I'm probably gonna try and check
0: it out if I can yeah which is essentially about uh Alejandro jodorowski's attempt at making dune into a movie yeah which ultimately failed and then a few years later David Lynch ended up adapting it uh the harder they fall
1: yep I'm excited for the harder they Fla- fall fall I yeah very stacked cast mm-hmm. you know um and I love a good like revisionist western. western. Yeah. yeah, revisionist yeah. western.
0: That's it. Yeah, perfect. Um, Bergman Island. Something I haven't I haven't even heard about this movie, but it's a German, French German. Uh, it this has a France German Germany Sweden.
1: Yeah, my uh, favorite film critic David Ehrlich has this coined as one of his favorite films of the year. So, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's got, I think it's got Tim Roth and um,
0: Vicky Crepes. Yeah, Vicky
1: Crepes. Dude. Yeah, so.
0: I bought a lot of Vicky Crepes stock when yeah. I saw Phantom Thread. I still love her, and I'm surprised that she hasn't popped up in more. Um, she was in that M. Night Shyamalan movie that came out this year. I have. I, I did old. not see it. No, I didn't either, but she's in it. And that's. And I think that's the biggest reason I have her going yeah. to see that movie. <laughs> um, uh, well, okay, so along with that, The Rescue. So this is probably my number one movie that I want to check out at Broadway. Uh, have you heard about this?
1: This is, is this the Thailand cave rescue?
0: Yes. Yeah. So the, the, yeah, the cave was, was it a collapse? Oh, it was a flood. Yeah. So it was a, uh, 12 boys and their coach, um, trapped in a flooding cave in Northern Thailand. And this, this documentary is about the rescue. Um, hence the title, the rescue. Yeah. It's about the rescue, uh, from the cave. And it's a a documentary made by Jimmy Chin, who is a like pretty well-known, uh, nature and, outdoor sports photographer Mm. and then he made uh free solo oh okay yeah probably one of the biggest documentaries of the decade um so he made that so this is his follow-up to free solo really excited for that and then uh you big velvet underground fan
1: i'm not no i can't say i
0: am yeah neither am i i didn't really get into velvet underground uh but there's a documentary about them coming out uh, that'll be there uh, when they open as well, directed by Todd Haynes. I don't even know, like really a Todd Haynes fan. I, haven't, I don't even think I've seen any of his movies.
1: I think I've seen one, but I'm not. I don't even remember what it is. I'm gonna look it up right now while we're talking.
0: Um, they're actually. Oh wait, hold on. No, there's actually a couple more that I'm missing. Uh, Possession, 1981. Uh, yes, yeah, that's this,
1: probably what I'll be headed there to see first. So yeah,
0: so they're doing a little bit of a mix of like they're gonna put out a few uh, um, new movies, but they're also kind of do some classics as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Jodorowski's Dune is an old movie.
1: The only Todd Haynes movie I've seen is I'm Not There. The Bob, oh, I've seen the that. Bob okay, yeah, yeah. That was actually pretty cool, though. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was a good was movie.
0: Cool. Um, so, yeah. Uh, they're kind of getting their legs out from under them. or up, uh, getting their legs up under them. Yeah. Uh, so they can, uh, you know, safely roll out uh, their operation. So we'll probably see a lot more this is actually the perfect time for them to like come back into business because we're mm-hmm. going into like the prestige film yeah. season. The so, type of
1: stuff that they typically are showing anyway.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, and I mean, it's not the, I mean, I would say it's only been like two months since the big movies have started to come back out and even mm-hmm. s- some are still getting delayed. Um, so it is, it is a really good time for them to come back. I'm, I'm like, and, and when it comes to these, Uh, kind of more prestige films that don't warrant an IMAX screening, like Dune or something like that. Uh, Like uh, the the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie that's coming out. It's always Broadway. Yeah. Always.
1: 100%. um,
0: I guess that's, that's probably a good place to ask, you know, why, why, I mean, Broadway isn't like anything special. We have Megaplex, we have Cinemarks, we got comfy chairs, probably wider snack options or whatever. It's Mm -hmm. probably a little bit more of a extravagant uh, setting for a movie. Why is Broadway so good?
1: Well, I think first the selection of films that they have there is usually okay. a bit more sophisticated. Um yeah, and yeah. and I think that I don't know if I'm not trying to like paint myself as some like philanthropist for going to see movies, but like going to Broadway feels like you're actually like contributing to Yeah. To the process of bringing more films to utah you know because mm-hmm. when there's limited release utah actually does a pretty decent job of getting yeah. these films in really that are in limited release because of salt lake mm-hmm. film society and so i really like to go to broadway to support that sort of thing um yeah. and i would actually disagree i think the snacks there are pretty much top tier yeah they've got tropical dots which are insanely good Shout out to Katie Hunter. Um, I chocolate like to bats. get a little, you know, chocolate covered almond, go grab a coffee and walk into a movie. Yeah, that's, yeah, they that's got the other coffee thing too. There.
0: They basically have a cafe mm-hmm. at their snack bar. Um, and the, the thing that we always get, which actually is like probably the only, uh, other than I, we found these at World Market, but we haven't, other than that, like you can't find them anywhere except Broadway. Um, have you seen those like Ritter Sport chocolates? Mm-mm. They're like chocolate bars.
1: Oh, like the little squares? Yeah, the yeah, squares. Yeah, totally.
0: They have ones that are like, coconut filled then they're like insane. Wow. They're so good. It's like the, uh, um, the like beefed up amazing version of an almond joy. Mm-hmm. Like it's so good. And uh, so that's like a staple there. Yeah. I, yeah. I should say the snacks are better. I said the, the snack bars at like the megaplex and stuff are probably more exciting. Mm-hmm. Cause they're like more interactive or yeah. whatever, you but yeah, chicken strips, but the, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's fun to like go order or like order food and then bring it in on a tray or yeah. like whatever. But like, yeah, the selection itself is definitely way better at Broadway. Um, and yeah, yeah. Like what you said, it does feel like you're contributing more to like film culture and film access here um, in Utah. And that stuff comes to a head every year at Sundance when they actually collaborate with yeah. Sundance and they'll hold screenings and stuff. That relationship I think is becoming strained more and more, especially I mean, pandemic aside, it seems like uh Sundance has less and less interest of like uh connecting with Salt Lake City. They're just like pretty much staying in Park City. Yeah. Like you can still like you still go to the like the Grand and see a bunch of stuff, but it's like harder and harder to see films outside of Park City now. Um so we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, um, I, 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 totally agree with that. Um, and then, uh, along with the news that they are opening, uh, Tower Theater is still closed and they are doing some renovations, which Dan and I looked at yesterday. We're kind of browsing what kind of renovations they were posting pictures and stuff. <laughs> um, I, I'll just, I'll just kick it over to you as far as like your opinion of Tower Theater.
1: I don't particularly love the Tower Theater. No. Um, a couple of years ago, this really stands out. A couple of years ago, uh, we were going to go see Uncut Gems. You myself uh annie and it was showing at the tower theater and i Mm -hmm. like asked someone at salt lake film society like why is the show in here and not at broadway and they're like oh availability and all of this and i was like that's bullshit what do you mean yeah that's like a popular movie yeah that's making money and you're putting it at a bad theater yeah i don't like the tower theater because it is The sound is not very good, in my opinion. Like, it's very inconsistent. Mm -hmm. The quiet scenes in movies are a bit too quiet. And the loud scenes, like, I went and saw, I went and saw um, Shaun of the Dead there with my little brother when they were just doing, they do like their old summer movies where they do like the, the, they just kind of like show a bunch of movies in the summertime. Mm -hmm. And there are some sounds in Shaun of the Dead. I don't even remember what sound it was but mm-hmm. I like had to cover my ears because the sound was like genuinely hurting me.
0: Yeah, and it's almost like not it's not that it's like too loud, but it's like the the quality of the speakers like has like like a rattle or mm-hmm. a frequency to it that's just like so unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah, I would argue that the only like cuz it really it's like I mean it's a historic theater. Um, so it's cool to have like a, a little piece of history I mean, I've, have you seen pictures of what it used to look like? It used to look, it literally looked like a castle tower yeah. back in the day. Um, that stuff's cool. Um, I don't necessa- I don't want them to like tear it down or get rid of it or anything. It's just Not just like, you gotta like make some improvements to it. And I honestly think it's kind of the perfect staging ground for your midnight movies. Absolutely. The movies that you don't need to hear every bit, bit of dialogue for, because you've seen the movies before. Like I love when they do runs of horror movies. Yeah. Fix the sound system. Uh, the, it, it is weird that the like screen is kind of recessed back into the mm-hmm. wall a little bit. And when, tiny. Yeah. It's, yeah tiny. it's very small. I feel like they could fix a couple of things. And I, and I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly what the situation there is. I actually like the kind of layout of it. I like that it's small. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the little like uh, balcony area. I do up there. Um, I think that stuff is cool. It's just like with a few updates, this could be a lot better. Yeah, you know? their
1: bathrooms are disgusting. I don't mean to. Y- yeah, pick it. And you do have to that, go into like a dungeon. Yeah, you got to like, gotta like go bathrooms. downstairs, and it's yeah. like a very weird area.
0: Whatever. That's 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 probably. Yeah, that's that's part of the experience. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: something that we were very surprised to see. One thing that has always bugged me about the tower is that the seats there do not have cup holders. Yeah, and they sell you drinks, so yeah. you just have to like put your cup like at the very front on the back of the seat in front of yeah. you so that you like don't Between kick your it over. legs on the
0: floor, which is at an angle because yeah. of the theater. And so know. that
1: other people don't kick it over. So they have all this time and they're doing all of these, you know they're 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 doing some stuff to make the theater better and we looked at the pictures yesterday that they've posted and there are still just no cup holders. that it's was like the thing.
0: when I pulled up the pictures you were like do they have cup holders yet you're like zoom in on that do they have cup holders <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and lo that, and behold there were no cup holders <laughs> no nope. and I'm yeah I'm looking at it now and still I mean yeah the seats are basically the same kind of seats that you would find in like a high school auditorium mm-hmm or, like, I mean, w- w- usually when Sundance is around, we're at the Grand. Yeah. Which is a fun theater to watch a movie in, actually. I really like mm-hmm. that theater. But the seats, man, are tiny. They're not good. Tiny. Um, and, yeah, they're just, like, the little flip-up seats um, that you would find in, like, a high school auditorium. So, yeah. I, I, I would hope they, the, that they're... Uh, I honestly was having a hard time trying to find what they what was being updated. I don't know if it was the lighting or if they were just, like, painting. Mm-hmm. Um, because I actually have um, the the update pulled up right here. It just basically, on their website, it says they've been busy refreshing and enhancing the tower. <laughs> but they say, uh, due to supply chain issues, a yep. few of our enhancements are still in motion and will not be completed. Hopefully, the, the supply chain issue is like there's a sound system sitting on a boat somewhere yeah. that they're <laughs> trying to install. Uh, not a long delay. Consider, uh, consider donating or becoming a subscriber. Um, so yeah, they're... Um, the pictures, though, it does look, like, much of the same. It just, looks, it like, looks the same, but it's, like, better lit, and I think there's, like, new coats of paint. Yeah.
1: Um, stuff that super matters in a dark room.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Get the cup. Cup holders are pretty important.
1: Shout out to the movie rentals, though. I do like that.
0: Yeah, do you rent movies from there?
1: I used to when I was a part of the red carpet club. Yeah. Because they were free. But yeah. now, no. I don't even know. I mean, they probably still just have it closed, but...
0: I still rent movies from the library. There you go. Yeah. Library Genius actually has a stuff. solid selection. of. I believe it. Yeah. And specifically the the city library just downtown, they like leaned into the criterion thing. Mm. So you can get those really nice criterion discs from there. Um, sometimes though, I get a little too esoteric with my choices. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to watch this weird French new wave film. And then it sits on my shelf for a few weeks. And you should rent Beau Traval <laughs> next time you go there. Yeah. That's
1: a, that's a good French new wave movie. Okay. I Love d- it.
0: Might have to have a whole section of the, like an after dark of Dan's French New Wave food selects <laughs> for everyone. Anyway, that's going to do it for the Holy Hive show today. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we will be back next week for sure. Dan's not on vacation anymore. I'm not. Not to blame the whole <laughs> absence <laughs> on his vacation. We were gone for two weeks, there's a lot that was going on. But uh, yeah, we will be back next week for a special spooky edition of the Holy Hive. So um, stay tuned. You get ready to get scared.